welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is our Division I preview. We have a stout lineup of college baseball writers in this episode. College baseball personality Mike Rooney leads us off. After that, we hand it off to Vinny Servino from Perfect Game, Teddy Cahill from Baseball America, and we finish it off with Aaron Fitt and Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. As a lifelong fan of college baseball, this is always an exciting time of the year for me. I'm so excited to finally be able to head to the ballpark again and watch some baseball. Let's welcome everyone to the podcast. Here with Mike Rooney, college baseball analyst. Uh, I'm actually going to be on with with Kendall and Aaron here too, so um, I, I wanted to dive in with you first. I love it, RB. Look at me hitting leadoff, like the old days, Newtown Edgemont Little League. Let's go, Green Machine. <laughs> exactly. Hey, what did you th- think of the convention? And thanks again, by the way, for jumping on the rookie mentorship with us. What did you really think of after you experienced it? Oh, I thought, I thought, I mean, obviously, I, I, th- I thought you guys did an awesome job. It was super fun. You know, it's there's some ironies to it because, honestly, the last, let's call it seven or eight years, I feel like every year I make the same pledge to myself. I'm going to go to the convention and I'm going to listen to these clinicians and like it always gets aborted. It's like I see somebody in the hallway. So like I feel like my knowledge of the game has actually gone backwards in the last seven years because at the convention, I'm always in the hallways. And, and again, that said, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's it's there's a reason it's my favorite weekend of the year. But um, so the virtual thing was great in that regard because man, I got to listen to more stuff than than I ever have. Now, of course, you get the distractions from your house. But long story short, I thought it was awesome. Um, it's got me so juiced up to go to Chicago next year. Um, it, it was it was um, it was it was really really fun. Uh, which I guess is is all we could ask for, right? Yeah, my legs were fine, and this first time ever that my legs were fine. It's just the rest <laughs> of me was was a mess yeah. because there's it's like being on a high wire. Um, you know, there there's so many other variables. The on site is is nerve wracking because there's a lot of moving pieces, but but this 
because you're at the will of somebody's Wi-Fi and making sure everybody's where they're at, where they're supposed to be. Because if you can see somebody's warts in the virtual world, like that, that shows up, you know, as you're watching mm-hmm. some of the other stuff go on, like you can see when there's warts and that's the, the nerve wracking thing about a virtual deal is because if it gets messed up, like people know it, on the onsite, if something gets screwed up, like you can flow right through it and move on sure. to the next thing, but with the virtual piece, but we pulled it off and I'm, I'm pumped about it. How well it you guys did out. great, man. You should be proud. That was really awesome. Hey, what's up with the Yukon hot sauce challenge? I saw it briefly, but, but dive in on the Yukon hot sauce challenge for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, a. Uh, on Twitter, I, I've bootlegged, I think the guy's name is Dan Mason, but he's got a list of every NC, you know, Division One program's Twitter account. So on occasion, I will roll through there and just see who's tweeting cool stuff. And, uh, and anybody can get to the list on my Twitter page. You just go to uh, lists and NCAA baseball. And I saw that UConn was having this hot sauce challenge and it's for their, they do a Husky ticket project where I guess they fundraise to sell ticket or they buy tickets for grade school kids. And so anyway, I tweeted like, Hey, this is super cool watching their players do this. And of course, UConn's whoever runs their Twitter account is savvy. And they came right back at me, basically said, Hey, we really think that's neat. You think it's cool. How about you kind of jump in? And I was like, I am not someone that likes spicy stuff at all. And I'm not, I was fairly (laughs) nervous about it for a whole weekend. So I finally did it. Um, But I would encourage anyone go on that Twitter page or go on UConn's Twitter handle because Mason Fioli, their All-American left-hander from a couple years ago, he did the reenactment of the, um, what's the cranberry drink that everyone's doing with the Fleetwood Mac song? Yeah, um, that was the the guy on the, the he had the yeah. jug of, of Ocean Spray. Ocean uh, start, Spray. Yeah, so start Mason with Fioli did, he did the hot sauce challenge to that song on a skateboard, but he's chugging hot sauce instead. So only a left-handed pitcher would do that, but... I saw Eric, yeah, Sor- awesome. Eric Sorensen jumped in too because I saw yes. Eric's before I saw yours. So I, I shout out to Eric. I, I love Eric. He's a, a He's good friend. Yes, he is. Um, hey, diving in here, and, and you are on the West Coast, and you know you always helped me with the USA Today poll with the West Coast teams. But let's jump in on that side of the world because UCLA is up there, and um, obviously had a good year last year. And I know this has probably been nerve wracking for all of you guys to kind of put a top twenty five together because. Everybody's got so much back, so it's it's a loaded field. Uh, but somebody's still got to be in the top twenty-five, even though it's a loaded field. Yeah, it was tricky to do. Like, and you think about it, you're really doing like a top thirty-five because you do the twenty-five and then you add ten. But I think what you know, the the draft was so short last year. Quite honestly, like if you were a team that got dinged in the draft a little bit, you were heavily punished in rankings in most cases. Um, you know, I'm thinking about an Arizona state, I'm thinking about an Oklahoma where, you know, they, they were, I'm thinking about Texas A&M where, you know, they lost multiple players to the draft where you've got other teams where not only did they, they get their entire team back, but then they added pieces. So yeah, that made it really tricky. It's exciting. I mean, you start looking at some of these rosters and how old they are and, you know, you start looking at, um, you know, like Dallas Baptist is a good example where I looked at Dallas Baptist and I'm thinking, hey, they lost School Winky, who's their best hitter. They lost Caraway, who's their best pitcher. I know they'll be good, but not t- top 35 good. So we left them out. 
Then I look at the, then I reviewed their roster again. I'm looking, I'm like, hey boy, that might be not good. That 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 could come back and bite us. But you know, it's like you said, RB, like you can only pick 35. You're all like getting a free teams. pass. You are yeah. all getting a free pass yeah. to start the year. You know, at, at what point in the spring last year were you like, this isn't coming back? Oh man, I I that's a great question. You know, I was it was right at the time where for us like the ESPN stuff, you're getting ready. I, like I was literally going to go do my first game the next Tuesday. Um, so you're you're just kind of getting your you you're really getting into the stride of it. Um, I I don't know. It was like it was just so hard. It was it was one of those you know it, like I, I know people not to get morbid, but when nine eleven happened, that's the event for me that I will always like. I was in the ASU clubhouse, we had a breakfast club at the time and the players were having breakfast and I was in there. And that's, you know, when we heard that announcement, um, the, 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 the pandemic thing is a little blurrier for me because it was like, there was stages to it. And then say basketball yeah. turn, the, the conference yeah. tournaments were going on. Like there was so much going on. Uh, nine 11 for me, I was driving to work at James Madison. I was getting, yeah. heading into the office and that was a scary time on the East coast. Cause there was yep. a lot going on. The Pentagon happened. Uh, the Beltway shooter was going on around that time, too. There was a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. on the East Coast around 9-11. It was crazy, crazy times. Um, you know, so, I mean, you got UCLA in there. UC Santa Barbara is getting some love, huh? And then Arizona. Loaded. Hopefully Arizona's back because I love Coach Johnson. Yeah. But UC Santa Barbara, huh? They're, they've got some love. Yeah. Let me, let me give you something on UC Santa Barbara, which is really cool. I'm all in on their team. So they have, you know, everybody back. They, I think it's one of the best, like when you're talking best rotation in the country, they have to be in the conversation. Rodney Boone, Zach Tor, who was the JC transfer who came in and dominated, made a velocity jump. And then really what gets them over the top is Michael McGreevy, who was their closer his freshman year. He was the Sunday guy last year. If you talk to scouts on the West coast, this kid could be a first 50 picks guy. Like his, he went from an 88 to 91 sinker slider guy, West coast, vintage dude to now he's touching 96 in the fall and he already has that pitch ability in his back pocket. So it's like, and he's their Sunday dude. So, you know, it, it, and they have an old position player group, but here, here's what I want to tell you about um, Santa Barbara. So you'll appreciate this RB Andrew check who, you know, is one of the best young coaches in the country. So you start to think about, okay, why is he so good? Well, let me, let me, let me give you his apprenticeship. His high school coach was Pat Bailey. That was his high school coach. Then he works for, you know, Doug Smith and Jack Smitherin at UC Riverside. He works for Dennis Rogers at Riverside City College. He had two college coaches. One was Andy Lopez. The other was Pat Casey. Then he works for George Horton as an assistant coach. I mean, no offense to checks because I think he's awesome. But, you know, like, come on. like He fell into something pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like, like you couldn't – if I gave you $10 billion and said you could design your own college baseball apprenticeship, I don't know if you could design it that perfectly. But all kidding aside, Andrew is fantastic. He's built a really good program. And they're not a Johnny-come-lately. Like they're, they're, you know, they're really one of the premier programs on the West Coast right now. So is Arizona back? I mean, is that going to be the the Pac-12? Is that going to be those two? Well, I think UCLA is on a tier by themselves. And, and you know, like, we, we're not allowed to root for teams, but I'm rooting for UCLA. You know, they haven't been back to Omaha since 13 when they won it. You know, twice they've been the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament and got upset. You know, Michigan beat them in game three of a Super Regional. Um, UCLA is an old-time team. They're very complete. Um, 
their offensive approach is really uh, if you're a baseball kind of junkie like we are, you'd love it. Like they just wear out the middle of the field. Um, they've got good. They've got short stops at almost every position. They're, UCLA will be. They're 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 really the class of the West Coast. Arizona is interesting, RB, because they have four dynamic true freshmen that you're not getting to campus in an ordinary year, but they did. And so, you know, Nichols is a right-hander. You're going to hear his name. Uh, uh, Daniel Susak, who's Andrew's little brother, gets to campus. They've got a switch-hitting third baseman, Jacob Berry. They've got an outfielder, Chase Davis, uh, who was part of the ML Breakthrough Series team. I mean, these are four marquee freshmen. I think Arizona is really in an upward trajectory. But, I, but you know, if we're being honest about the Pac-12, UCLA is, a bit, is their own tier. And then, you know, there, there's probably two tiers underneath that. Any other West Coast teams maybe that are on the outside looking in right now? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, those are the three main teams. I think the Big West is going to be really interesting. Cal Poly is going to be good. Fullerton, I have a sneaky suspicion about them. They're, you know, that they've got that chip back on their shoulder because they're not going to get any preseason love. They have an older team, um, more a little bit more physical than they've been. You know, I, I just think the Big West, Long Beach is on the come. You know, UC Irvine's very good. Um, when I think about the Pac-12, the next tier for me after Arizona, UCLA, ASU is sneaky good. They're, you know, they lost four hitters that were taking the first hundred picks. But I like ASU, Oregon State is kind of an old school Pat Casey team, even though it's Mitch Canham now. They really will defend. They are going to execute on offense. They cut a chance to have a really high level pitching staff if Kevin Abel is back and we think healthy. Wow, University Kevin of Abel. How about that? How about that name yeah. from the past? Just appearing yep. from the ashes, like, you know, wins a national championship for them. And then you just kind of forget about them. That's kind of how college goes because you get a new crop yeah. every year. So good for him. Uh, hopefully he's That back. kid was almost most outstanding player of the CWS as a true freshman. He would have been, except for his teammate, Adley Rutschman, had 17 hits, which is the craziest thing ever in the history of our sport. Who are we going to look at now? No torque bombs this year. Like, who, who should we key in on? Yeah, that, you know, it's it's. Um, is there anybody I mean, I th- close to that this year? I mean, it, it- well, I think you know, offensively, I'm not sure if we have players like that, but you know, I think the pitching is really exciting. I mean, I think you know, so so you know, the names that are kind of jumping on the scene right now, position player wise, Matt McLean, who was a first round pick out of high school, has really come on the shortstop at UCLA. Judd Fabian, the center fielder at Florida, is a really good player. Um, you know, Adrian Del Castillo, the catcher at Miami, might be the best hitter um, in college baseball, pure hitter. But honestly, RB, I think really what what you have in college baseball right now is, or, or at least this year, the pitching is really dominant. I mean, I think about, okay, Vandy has two first-team preseason All-Americans in the rotation in Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. You know, Alabama's got a, a, a left-hander from Wisconsin, Prelip. Connor Prelip who is, you know, he's a first-team preseason All-American. I mean, this is a top-five picks left-hander. Ty Madden at Texas. I mean, this is – I have two thoughts on on, in that regard. One is I think the pitching is going to be really dominant this year, you know, and especially for the hitters that lost all those ABs. I think the other thing – and a a scout had told me this, that with all this downtime – we're probably going to see a truckload of receive of relievers that come out and are just throwing a hundred early in the spring because, you know, they've done so much of that good training. They just haven't had, you know, game schedules. 
Yeah, it's there's going to be a little rust though too. I mean that no doubt. Yeah, the defense could be a little choppy early. I'm a little worried about the catch play in the first four weeks. You know, it could be could be a little rough on the ice. Tell your dad, your dad. I don't think he's going to like it the first month. You, J- Coach Brownlee might Keep have to the, take four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Keep him off Twitter. I mean, was everybody, you know, the teams that you've talked to, was everybody able to get most of the fall in? Do they feel good about what they were able to get in this fall? I, yeah, everybody, I, more, most conversations I've had, the coaches felt like, you know, we, we had a great, not a good fall, a great fall. You know, it, it, they're really excited about the talent on the rosters. They're also aware that all their peers feel the same way. I will tell you one exception, and you asked me about the West Coast. This thing has been really rough in California, and I am the first half of the season could be really difficult for California college baseball teams. A lot of them had zero fall seasons. Um, And, you know, so that's going to and some of those programs are kind of rebuilding themselves. So that's going to be a little bit tricky early on. Do you have any dark horses for Omaha? You know, I, you brought up the hot sauce challenge. I would say UConn is one of my one of my sleeper teams. They are, you know, this is a really good program. They've been. I there, love Coach Penders. Oh, so good. You know, like it, it's. I, I did an interview about Texas Tech recently, RB, and and you know they were asking me about Tim Tadlock, and I, it, the the thing that that came to my mind was perfect fit. You know, they're almost like they're like a. A West Texas version of Cal State Fullerton. And they are similar. Coach Tadlock and Coach Penders are very similar personalities. Yes. Very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll give you UConn. They are very deep. They they have a kid, Ben Kasparius, who's their Friday night guy who transferred back from North Carolina. He's a Connecticut kid. Uh, let's stay in the Northeast. I really like BC. Like When you see these draft lists and these All-American teams, RB, you're going to see Boston College has three players, Cody Morissette, an infielder, Sal Freilich, who's kind of like a Lenny Dykstra clone, but maybe even a little twitchier, their center fielder. And then they've got a San Diego kid, Mason Pelio, on Friday nights, who's a 6'5 right-hander. So Boston College is, you know, the, the, their challenge is going to be that the, the ACC is going to be a hot mess. I mean, that league is, lo- there's not a bad team in the league. So, you know, good luck for everybody there. Well, I think about the head coaches that you talk about with these teams, they all recruit. Like when mm-hmm. I was was getting after it on the road, these were guys that you saw on the road. They, they're not in the office in the summertime. These guys are getting after it on the road recruiting-wise. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I, that, that's what's exciting right now in our game is just there are so many good programs, so many good players. There's so much depth. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it, it's, you know, MLB really, really recognizing that college baseball is such a great development vehicle for the sport globally. And so, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of good players out there. Hey, USA baseball just uh, released a combine. Are you, you, you about a, a combine now or, you know, I, it, it's going to be interesting. Like I, it makes sense to me. I, I think like, you know, so the, there's the MLB draft league in the summertime, which is going to be really interesting too. And, you know, Carrick Jackson is one of my favorite people and, you know, persons in the game. And, you know, I know the PBR guys are going to be involved. So, you know, they're going to do it first class. I think the biggest challenge MLB has when it comes to a combine and when it comes to a draft league is that, you know, them and MLB and the agents do not have an awesome relationship right now. And the top players are all going to defer to the advice of their agents. And the agents, I I think that's going to be the problem. The challenge for the combine is MLB is going to have to kind of mend those fences with the agents or else we're going to get the second hundred players showing up instead of the first hundred. 
Well, and it's hard too. Baseball's such a different sport than the NFL. I mean, you could have a really good player go in there and not have a good couple days. I mean, that that baseball, you just never know, you know, where kids are at. They might go in there and have a tough couple days. Yeah, and I think RB, that's gonna be the the I think like for us as a sport, and I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to us in college baseball, before we go to negative town on a combine, because I know there is some you know, skepticism about it because, you know, here's the theory. Like if I'm the agent of a pitcher, it's like, Hey, every pitcher's elbow MRI is probably not going to be glorious, right? Like that's, that's just the, the world we live in. But I'm sure if you were a football player, like an MRI of a football player's knee, how good could that be? And yet those kids still are first round picks. So, you know, I, I think, I think if we just think ahead, I love that you checked we, me on that, oh, by the way, because I I love I love getting checked on my thinking because my thinking is obviously my world, but I like when yeah. people bring that different perspective because I I need that um, that way I, I get checked. I love when people. We check all do, man. That's yeah, no doubt. What else? What else are you looking for forward to? I mean, obviously, hopefully, we're in Omaha in, in June. Like that's what I'm looking forward to. That broke my heart last year when the season got canceled because. I was not able to go to Omaha with ABCA meetings. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I, I wrote this to somebody recently that the season is three weeks from this Friday, and that just feels surreal. It doesn't even feel like an actual thing. But what's really interesting about it, RB, is that if you look at the the games that are being played opening weekend, it's crazy. Like Miami is going to go to Florida and open up their new ballpark. You, this is becoming the UConn podcast, but UConn is going to Virginia to open up. And Virginia is loaded. If Virginia's starting rotation comes together, they are absolutely a team uh, that could win the national title. You know, there's this new Globe Life tournament, which is – I could mess up the teams, but I believe it's it's three SEC teams and three Big 12 teams. It it's is. like Arkansas, Mississippi State. Texas a in there. Yeah. And then you got TCU. I mean, just like you look at the games and you're thinking, man, that that, oh Texas Tech is in there as well. So anyway, the first weekend is going to be really good. The the things that I'm thinking about, RB, is some of these places that are open and beautiful new stadiums. Like I'm dying to see Florida's new joint. UConn's got a new joint. I'm dying to see Oklahoma State's new place. I think there's a fourth one that I'm missing. Um, And then and like you said, like I, I just hope we get to the point in the pandemic where when we do go to Omaha in June that we can, you know, like it, it is the kind of gathering that we're used to because it, it, it is, it's a great place to see everybody. All right. Well, I'm going to bring you at the midway point. I, I said this last year and we were going to do it, but I'm going to bring you back at the midway point and let's, let's see where everything shakes out here. Let's do it. Love All it. right. Runes. Thank you very much. You got it. RB here with Vinny Servino, uh, perfect game college supervisor. Vinny, thanks for jumping on with me. Ryan, thanks for having me, man. Always love talking college baseball. Hey, at what point last year were you like, "Um, I don't think this is going to be very good for the season? So actually, I was on the, I was at a doubleheader the last game. uh, I think that kind of happened. It was a, it was a high school game. I was watching the uh, Canadian team, the uh, uh, Canadian baseball team that comes down and plays for three weeks in Florida. I was watching them play the Blue Jays and Dunedin, and then MLB canceled their season. And so then that night I was at a high school game too. It was kind of the last game that I really got to go to before the whole world shuts down. So I was at the ACC basketball tournament. It's here in Greensboro. So actually mm-hmm. uh, Brad Brownell is a childhood friend. who's the head coach at Clemson, watched Clemson and Florida State 
uh, play, and I was at the hospitality room with Andrew Bartman uh, for USA Baseball, and then that night they banged everything, and I was like, I, this wasn't real life for me, but crazy. Yeah. Crazy. How hard has it been to put together a top 25 with a shortened season last year and, and now with a log jam of a lot of players uh, and then some new guys mixed in? How tough has it been to put a top 25 together? So when you look at it, right, uh, you know, when we're having conversations with coaches and programs and that sort of thing, there was one week of ACC play last year in Division One baseball. That was the only conference schedule the coaches got to see. And so you come back now in 2021 and you're trying to put the pieces together. There's a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of holdover from 2019 teams. There's a lot of players that came back that coaches and teams weren't necessarily expecting back. And you couple that with um, heightened recruiting classes because, again, five-round draft affects both the recruiting classes and the teams that are currently on campus. So every team, I think, has been kind of consistent in that this is the best team they've ever had, this is the deepest team they've ever had, which is great, but that's going to be the case across the country. Well, yeah, it so, cancels it, each other out. Like, it, you know, everybody else has a great team, too. So, you know, this is going to be a fun season. I hope we get to, to finish it. But it's going to be fun because it should be an ultra-competitive season for everybody. Oh, yeah, especially so when, you know, uh, obviously everything changes on a day-to-day basis. But you go back a month ago, and most of the coaches that I talked to were under the assumption it was going to be conference only. Can you imagine a 50-game SEC slate with just that kind of talent? It'd be nuts. But, you know, I love it. And I love that conferences are trying to make this thing work. Uh, you know, I love that the SEC kind of took the bull by the horns here and was like, no, we're going to try to ride this thing out. Uh, and then hopefully everybody gets to fall in line here as more data and everything keeps coming out. Hopefully we figure out that it is going to be safe and, and that they can attack it. Um, I mean, what other than that, what are you looking forward to most this season? Yeah, obviously, you know, we talk about the talent. I, I think that's going to be across all levels of Division One and even Division Two, II, Three, and AIA. I think it's going to be the most talented sports team in a long, long time. And I think that's going to be really good for hopefully getting a lot of baseball fans who maybe not too interested in the college baseball, but get into that next step. Like, oh, okay, this Kumar Rocker guy everybody's talking about. Let's see what Vanderbilt has. And they're going to get that and kind of keep watching and watch the SEC and watch the ACC and all the other big conferences. And I, I think it's really going to be competitive. And to be honest with you, I'm looking – I'm looking forward to seeing who is there in Omaha at the end of the year, because I think this season is obviously any college baseball season is a challenge. It's long, it's drawn out, but I think this season in particular, you're really going to see what teams come together the most and what teams are the most well coached. And I think those teams are going to finish up in Omaha. And hopefully, you know, you don't want to see minor league baseball drop teams, but I think that's an added benefit for college baseball is, is with the lack of minor league seasons and teams being cut short, you might see some more people show up for a college baseball game now. I think so, too, because I think uh, you look at a lot, of the, a lot of the minor league teams that have been cut, they're in, you know, small pockets of uh, small local towns. They're all baseball towns, and most of those towns, there's, you know, a university 45 to an hour away. So uh, I think that could be a boon as well. All right, looking at your top 25 here, and have you gotten any uh, harassing emails yet about the top 25 yet? <laughs> Not as many emails. Uh, a couple fan bases dragged me a little bit on Twitter, but that's to be expected at this point. So, you know, you've got Florida 1, uh, Louisville 2, Texas Tech, UCLA, Mississippi, Vanderbilt, Miami, LSU, Virginia, UC Santa Barbara, Arizona, Mississippi State, East Carolina, Indiana, Arizona State, North Carolina State, Auburn, Michigan, Georgia Tech, Arkansas, Florida State, Texas, and rounding it out, Ohio State, Georgia, and UCF. Um, anybody not in there, kind of right on the cusp of those top 25 teams? 
Yeah, so our next three out were TCU, Dallas Baptist, and Tennessee. Um, I think all three of those teams have established themselves uh, as definite contenders. You know, uh, 2019, uh, Tennessee hosting a regional was huge for Vitello and his coaching staff over there. Uh, TCU, I think, could have one of the better rotations in the country if everything comes together. We've been hearing very good things about Johnny Ray and Austin Crobb. So that could be a really dominant rotation. And then Dallas Baptist, you know, one of the best mid-majors in the country, along with Coastal Carolina, ECU, seem to be in it every year. You know, Texas Tech for me has been so consistent here over the last, you know, 10 years since Tadlock's got there. It's amazing what he's done there. Do they have a bunch returning um, or, you know, did they get lucky with everything? So they lost two starters to the draft last year. And then I believe Austin Decker will be missing this year with injury. So they kind of have to replace the rotation. But the best place you can start to replace the rotation is a guy in Micah Dallas. You know, a guy who started for you, who was in your starting rotation for that Omaha team in 2019. And then you look at kind of the depth of the lineup, and they return almost everybody. They have uh, Cole Stilwell, who was dominant. Dylan Noisy, who's our projected Big 12 player of the year. Cal Conley at short. Um, and, and then they have a couple underclassmen, too, and Jace Young, the uh, Josh Young's little brother, along with Nate Rombach behind the plate. And so this, uh, obviously, they have a lot of flamethrowers on the on the pitching staff, and they need to kind of sort who's going to start, who's going to relieve that sort of deal. But, I mean, that lineup is dangerous and could be the best in the country. And what about Louisville? I mean, I saw them last year at Wake Forest, and, you know, you lose Miller, you lose the lefty. They feel pretty good about their staff, even though they lost those two guys. Yeah, the really big uh, standout of the fall for Louisville was Glenn Albanese. Uh, and he's a guy who, you know, talking to the coaching staff, they told me if full season goes out 2020, we probably don't get him back. But now he's back. He's touched 97, 98 this fall. He's probably going to be starting on Fridays. They're going to, they're going to as well uh, transfer soup, all world closer, Michael Kirian. They're stretching him out as a starter. Want to see what he can do there. And uh, the starting rotation, obviously it hurts to lose those two guys in Detmers and Detmers uh, and Miller, but they have a pretty good rotation. And then again, like Texas tech, their offense is was incredible in 2020 and has a chance to be really special. I think in 2021, especially by, with getting uh, Alex Dallas returned from injury, who we think is a golden spikes contender. Yeah. Albanese is a guy, if you don't know him, you need to watch. He looks like they're supposed to look like that. He, even in high school, like he looked the way that they're supposed to look. Oh yeah, man. It's it, Louisville does a really good job of doing that. You know, Bobby Miller was another guy exactly like that who looks the way it's supposed to look, and then he just kind of puts the pieces together at Louisville. And, and Florida's getting a ton of love. I mean, obviously they should. Coach Sullivan does, Oates Sullivan does a good job. I mean, what really makes them feel like this might be one of the best teams they've ever had? I, I, it's honestly the pitching. The pitching's the, the easy answer, but, I mean, they, there's a potential for eight, nine, ten guys to get drafted on that pitching staff, man. It's special. You get Tommy Mason, Jack Leftwich back, that's – unbelievable and that's something that i don't think i think kevin o'sullivan would have told you what he wasn't expecting to happen so you get those two guys back you get hunter barco who's a star in the making and, and i think what really is going to drive the offense is judd baby and i think he's really in store for a breakout campaign um I, I think he was in the middle of it last spring before the uh shutdown happened i saw them at miami he looked incredible and, and i think he's re really one of the best players in the country at this point are there any dark horses? I know everybody's got a ton back. Are there any dark horses for Omaha or people that should pay attention to this spring on maybe some teams that aren't getting some love right now? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a couple. I think, you know, we have Arkansas at 20, which is a little bit low probably in hindsight, but, you know, they're one of the best teams in the country. Uh, 
Texas and Georgia or another couple. And if you want I saw to Texas this really- fall. I saw you had Witt as, you know, preseason uh, yep. freshman of the year. I got a chance to watch him pitch, and um, he uh, he's another guy that looks the part. Texas has a good club. Um, they do. I was excited to watch them. Um, Coach has done. Coach Pierce has done a phenomenal job. They do things oh, yeah. right. They practice right. They got on and off the field right. So I'm excited to see what Texas is going to do this year. Yeah, you know, and I'm hoping to uh, make it out to Arlington opening weekend to hopefully see those guys because that should be a really loaded uh, tournament out there. But if you want a couple other deep sleepers, I think uh, I think Alabama in the SEC really got a chance to be kind of that Tennessee of 2019. You know, Brad Bohannon's done an excellent job over there. He's got all his guys in now. They have a true ace in Connor Prelip. So they should be definitely a team to keep an eye on. And then in the ACC, too, I think a team like uh, Wake Forest could be pretty good, especially with the amount of pieces that they return. I think the pitching staff's going to have to answer a couple questions. I think Ryan Cusick's going to have to throw a little bit more strikes. But that offense could hang with anybody, man. Yeah, he's another guy. Big body. I was lucky. I got to watch him pitch a a couple different times. It's in there. It's just a matter of him continuing every time out to get better every time he's out but it, it is in there he showed plus plus stuff plus fastball and at times a, a plus slider when I saw him um, any intriguing storylines that people should pay attention to yeah you know I think the uh, obviously the, I think the pandemic is going to be kind of the overarching theme of this season and probably as it should be you know obviously we want to play all these games we want to get the whole season in but we got to be safe in doing so and I think you know I, I think conferences have done a particularly good job at uh, showing their leadership there, especially because, you know, the NCAA is kind of a decentralized government format. So I think the conferences have done a good job in that regards. But besides that, I mean, I think, I, I think an interesting storyline that people aren't really talking about is that Vanderbilt still a defending champion. So, you know, they, they have, uh, in my mind, they have some questions to answer as a ball club overall. I mean, I think they're immensely talented, but uh, they're still kind of trying to get Corbin back to Omaha and win another. Uh, it would be phenomenal. Um, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on perfectgame.org uh, and, or perfectgame.org slash college. That's where all of our college content is. We, have, we obviously are focused on the amateur side, so we have a bunch of high school content, college content, and then uh, we also do a ton of draft coverage as well. So if you like the draft, you like college baseball, PG is the website for you. It really is. It's uh, it touches everything. I, I've always enjoyed getting on the website because you do have that draft flavor with it that some of the other websites don't have. Um, that you know you guys have kind of been homegrown on the on the draft piece with it. So it is a great place to dive into to see. And you guys are usually pretty good on the projections too. I know you guys do a ton of work. <laughs> you do. You do a ton of legwork with the scouts and. You know, have always had that in with the scouting community, so it, it always seems like your guys' projections are pretty good with the draft. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, we do. Uh, my, myself and Brian Sikowski have been doing the uh, draft, heading up the draft coverage the past couple of years, and uh, I like to put a little draft spin kind of on how we analyze the college baseball, which I think is a and a different lens than some of the other outlets. So I think it's definitely. Definitely good for the draft heads out there. Yeah, it's a good piece. I think it's a good balance to maybe, okay, we feel like these teams are the best. They may not show it on the field, but from a draft perspective, these teams are the best teams in the country. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, so. Well, Vinny, thanks for jumping on with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I see you at a ballpark this spring. Thanks, man. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, catch a couple games together. That's my hope. All right, I appreciate it. Here with Teddy Cahill, national writer for Baseball America. Teddy, thanks again. Year two for me with the preview, so I'm excited to get this going again. 
Absolutely. It's it's hard to believe the season is right around the corner in some ways, but in other ways, I think everyone is absolutely ready to go and ready to get this 2021 season uh, underway. Yeah, it's surreal to, to think that we're going to have baseball again after everything that everyone has been through. Um, so I'm extremely excited. I love this time of year. I had a, a phenomenal February last year and beginning of March of going to watch games. So I'm, I'm really excited to watch all levels of college baseball again. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been entirely too long, the longest offseason in college baseball history. And, you know, this, this season is going to look a little different. But I just keep saying that as long as they play more games than they played last year, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, you can't get too picky during you know these times so i'm just glad that we're able to get whatever we're we're going to get in terms of a baseball season because it seems like we're going to get something pretty good here yeah it's phenomenal with the draft and with uh, the backlog of rosters and the log jam i think this is going to be one of the best years ever of college baseball yeah, absolutely. I, I think you can make a very strong case that college baseball has never been more talented than it is this year. You know, it was the shortest draft in history. We've never had so many returning players that there are this year. And then, you know, just you look at the talent already that had been coming into college baseball over the last few years. And, you know, you get guys like Kumar Rocker and Matt McClain coming to school. And, you know, now we're seeing those guys as as you know, I guess in their third year of college and, um, you know, Jack Leiter uh, was a, also a, a big time player to, to turn down, you know, MLB. So just to have those kinds of talents and then to have extra, like more of them because, because of the draft and because of the eligibility situation, I do think that, that this might be the most talented year for college baseball ever. Now, was it more fun this year putting the top 25 together or did you pull your hair out more because of the amount of options that you probably had to, to throw in there? You know, I it was harder than normal, but it wasn't like a bad hard, I would say. I think it was harder both because there were more teams that are worthy of being top 25 teams this year because, again, there is so much talent across the board it's not just concentrated in a few teams a lot of teams can say that they're deeper and more talented than they're used to so that made it harder and then it also was harder that you know we didn't get to see how conference play played out last year so everyone that felt good about themselves going into conference play last year deserved to uh, but you know not everyone would have come out the other side still feeling as good and, and we weren't able to see you know how uh, players and teams would have adjusted once they got into, you know, that that conference play where you know the other opponents so much better. So uh, a little bit incomplete information there, but you know, it, it was uh, it was a good time just to be able to 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 put together a top twenty-five. Anybody? Could you look at the records from last year? Anybody that maybe didn't have a a good start last year that's in the top twenty-five this year? You know. I, I think that pretty much everyone in the in this year's top 25 was off to a good start last year. You might be able to say the exception to that is Michigan. They were just eight and seven. But when you consider that's a northern team, hadn't played a home game yet and had wins against Vanderbilt and Arizona State, it, it's hard to say. You know, and, I know and some that key were, losses from the year before. I mean, yeah, they're coming and, off and a they World had some Series. Injuries. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say that. They weren't happy at eight and seven 
I, I, I know that, but, you know, it's also hard to say that that was a, a team that was disappointing. You know, there were just so many returning players from all these teams. So if you were off to a bad start last year, um, you know, you're, you're kind of it, in a normal year, you know, we have some of those teams move into the top 25 the following year, but this year, with just with all these returning talent and, um, you know, I expect a lot of the teams that were good at the start of last season to be really good again this year. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to fire off some non-traditional questions to you just based off the top 25. Who's going to have a better rivalry this year, Ole Miss and Mississippi State or Miami and Florida? Well, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, you know, I, I to me, that's the best rivalry in college baseball. And the fact that they play for a conference title, that always adds some extra spice uh, Miami and Florida, I, I love them for putting their series on opening weekend. It's That's awesome, isn't a it? Lot. it? It's a great way to start the season, and they had to do it because of the way the ACC adjusted their schedule. And so I also love them for finding a way to make it happen. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, but you put a conference title or an SEC West title on the line, you know, I think that um, you know, that kind of adds just a little something extra. Okay, of these traditional powers, Florida State, LSU, Miami, Texas, who's going to have the best year? Uh, so we have of those teams, I guess Florida State ranked the highest, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Miami or Texas. I, I think that the upside there is pretty significant. Uh, but I, you know, I think my final answer, having named three of these teams already, I, I think I have to go with LSU. The pitching staff is the deepest and the best there for me, and I'm really excited about what Jaden Hill brings as a as an ace, a Friday night starter this year. And you've got a couple teams, TCU and South Carolina, that maybe are on the outside looking in, jumping back into the limelight this year, you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, TCU is one of the oldest teams in the country, and we'll see how that experience plays. But they also have some exciting young talent. And then South Carolina, you know, we didn't get to see how that would have developed last year, but they've really amassed a lot of talent there over the last few years under Mark Kingston. And I think this year is kind of the year that, uh, that talent emerges and, and turns into victories on the field. Yeah, I, Coach Current, um, he and I go way back. I know talking to him, he feels really good about their team, and and they know what it looks like. I mean, they they were at Illinois State, they were South Florida. They know what what a good team looks like, and so I'm excited for those guys. I did get a chance to watch them in in Northwestern last year. That was a really hard fought Sunday game that I went to. That Northwestern actually won in extras. It was a it was a wild game, but um, you could tell they were they were feeling better about it. You know, you talked about Michigan. What about Oklahoma? Are they going to be able to recover from losing quite a bit off to the draft? Yeah, they're the they they lost their entire rotation to the draft. Uh, they're the only team in the country that that happened to, and that's that's good and bad. It's good because you're developing the guys. It's bad because now you have to replace them. But while they lost all those guys, they bring back a ton of seniors, especially in the lineup. I think that'll help the you know, the younger pitchers get settled and, you know, Skip Johnson does such a good job with the pitchers there, like he has throughout his career. So I, I think they can reload a bit on the mound and the lineup can carry them until those new pitchers like Wyatt Olds and, and Dalton Fowler settle into place. You guys did a good job with your write-ups on the teams. I was looking through that with your top 25. Central Florida, huh? I mean, they've got a ton back. I didn't realize that with Coach Lovelady. They've got a ton back. Yeah, that's a really interesting team. I was going to be very interested to see how the American race played out last year. You had UCF, you had Tulane, 
you had ECU and you know, UCF really made a statement with the sweep at Auburn last year. They bring back a lot of guys. They do have some replacements to make, but I think they've brought in a good group of newcomers, both through some grad transfers and a you know some premium freshmen. I think it's a good group, and I, I think offensively they're going to be better than they were last year. So if they do take a maybe a half step back on the mound, um, you know, they, I think they can make up for it. So yeah, I, I really like what they've got going on in Orlando. That was actually the last place I saw a game in 2020. I, I saw them play Miami on Wednesday night, and then the next day the season was canceled. But uh, I'm, I'm glad I got to see the, the Knights last season before before everything stopped. Any other grad transfers? For me, that's in, been an intriguing development about the last five years was with the grad transfers. Are there any any other grad transfers maybe we should be tracking? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of transfers across college baseball this year, uh, you know, partially because the Ivy League doesn't allow players who have already graduated to compete. So even if you have eligibility left, you have to leave. You want to keep playing. So uh, there's some of those guys floating around. Um, you know, I, I uh, Peter Matt at uh, Duke. I think he's going to be one of their, you know, uh, an experienced hitter they added to their lineup. Uh, Notre Dame added a couple grad transfers. Uh, Scott Dubrul at Mississippi State is expected to come in and be their second baseman after transferring from Jacksonville. So, you know, it, every kind of everywhere you look there, there's going to be one or two. It's not universal, obviously, but, um, you know, more, more places than not are going to be inserting some sort of, you know, four-year transfer into their lineup this year, I feel like. You know, and the other two, I know everybody else is getting a little play, but what about Georgia Tech and Tennessee? Yeah, Georgia Tech is uh, one of the hardest teams I was trying to evaluate. We, we pushed them all over these rankings before we finally settled on a spot I that the upside is significant, but there are some question marks, you know, you have Brent Herter coming back from injury. Uh, what's that going to look like at the front of the rotation? It could look really, really good for them. And, you know, if, if he clicks, they've got Luke Waddell back at shortstop, Kevin Parada might be the most exciting freshman in the country. Certainly one of them, um, you know, the next great Georgia tech catcher, maybe, and then Tennessee was off to such a great start last year. They didn't even have Garrett Crochet. Uh, so the fact that he went to the White Sox and then gets into the big leagues and pitches this year very successfully for the White Sox, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but you know they got like one inning out of him last year, and they were still very good. So I like what they have, a lot of interchangeable parts, a lot of mixing and matching they can do, both on the mound uh, you know, and in the lineup. So an exciting team. Hard to know what to make of it right now because so many of these parts are interchangeable, but I like what they have to work with. And, and it starts with with Tony. You know, Tony Vitello does such a good job. His mentality is good. He's going to have them ready to go because he's got that no-nonsense, like, hey, we need to get punched in the mouth a little bit here to get ready for conference play. So I, I like his attitude when it comes to their scheduling. You know, and Frank Anderson, who yes. does the, the pitching – there, of course, you know, so good with, um, you know, just finding guys, putting them in the right position, uh, a impressive coaching staff that they've put together there. Josh Elander, you know, a nice, uh, young up and coming recruiting guy. And so, yeah, I, I like the way that those guys all work together. Where are you going to try to go early? If you're going to go watch games, where are you going to go early? You know, I, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to say right now. I, I don't know that they're the, you, you look at opening weekend. I mentioned Florida and Miami, there's also a big tournament at the Rangers new stadium. 
uh, out in Texas with uh, three SEC teams and three Big 12 teams. Those are probably your your premium opening day events. Uh, you know, I, I I still have to figure my schedule out. Where uh, I I just want to see some college baseball. You know, I haven't done it either because I, I I hit every level. So I, yeah, last yeah. year I had it mapped out. It was like COVID like gut punched me for this spring because. <laughs> You're just hoping games get started, but I had everything mapped out. Like the entire spring, I had it mapped out where I was going to go, and then I'm at the ACC basketball tournament, and things got shut down. So I was like, oh, no, so all this planning. So now I'm just going to kind of go week to week here and and see what is close um, with all the levels and and get out. The great thing is I saw NAI games last year, D3, D1, D2, JUCO. Like I got a little bit of everything in. that's been a nice switch moving out here to North Carolina, coming from the Midwest, because I can actually watch games that are, are decent weather. It was a little chilly, but but not what I was used to uh, being out practicing and, and negatives back in Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a little cooler uh, up, up in Illinois than it is <laughs> than it is here in North Carolina. But uh, you know, th- there's great baseball up, up in the Midwest too. I I, I yes. love I love it, and I love how much everyone there you know wants to be playing you know because it's cold (laughs) you gotta want it up there yeah you're gonna get it in i mean it's um we finally added like a a 25 degree rule in the summit league that was like three four springs ago it was a brutal spring and we're like hey we have to add this in because if we don't you're asking somebody to play in 18 degrees so it we just we needed to take it out of the coach's hands uh which yeah it was tough being the home team trying to make those decisions yeah Yep, for sure. Any other intriguing storylines we need to pay attention to? And I will have you back mid-season. I said it last year, but COVID shut a store. But we'll do a we'll do a mid-season report here just to see how things are shaking out because there's going to be a bunch of storylines that that we don't even know right now that are going to happen here in the first month. Absolutely, I, I think that you know from a national level, I'm I'm just interested to see what you know. We talked about all these extra players in, so does it matter? uh how experienced you are or is it more about the talent like does does having a bunch of seniors mean what it normally would mean i or or is because everyone's so old that doesn't mean as much so i'm interested in seeing that on a little more micro level um you know i i think what the the big 10 has in terms of pitching is really exciting uh, it, it just feels like there are a lot of really premium arms both in the big 10 and the mac for that matter so midwestern pitching i guess and then, you know, I, I'm very interested in seeing Virginia. That's a team that I'm, I'm excited about their ceiling. We have them ranked fifth. I think if you look at other publications, you'll find that, like, we're kind of a lot higher on Virginia. Uh, I don't know. I mean, others, so I, I want to see. I know PG's that. high on them, too. Like, they're up there pretty good. And, okay. And yeah, you're, you're, you're in line with some of the other ones, too. Hey, you know what I'm intrigued is see how people handle their pitching staffs. Because some programs yeah, maybe absolutely. didn't get a full fall in, you know, they've had a long layoff, but how much buildup time have some of these arms been able to, to get in here? You know, you look at even Michigan, like they, they did a two week shutdown, like some schools are still battling some of the COVID testing things. So there might be some guys that are, are slowed down a little bit from a progression. So I'm interested to see like, how long starters go the first weekend, like how how coaches are managing their their bullpens and how many pitches guys are going early. I'm interested to see how everybody's going to handle their pitching staffs here the first couple weekends. 
Well, and, and beyond too, because you have bigger pitching staffs this yes. year because you have slightly bigger rosters, and so everyone needs to find some innings somehow. Uh, you know, so I are I think some teams are looking more at like piggybacking or you know just at least being more aggressive in their pitching moves, uh, or maybe you let your Friday guy go and everyone else has to piggyback, or you know there are a, a whole number of ways to manage it. And yeah, I think that's going to be very interesting to to watch how that unfolds, um, you know, across the country. And and which leagues are going to allow everybody to play fifty six games? Which aren't, you know, th- those are the other storylines too. Is which leagues are going to get a full schedule in? Which leagues aren't? How that plays out? You know, that shortened season, they don't need as many pitchers then either. You know, it's it's just going to be interesting to see what shakes out here the first month. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some leagues mixing in double headers more often. A lot of a lot of things that are going to affect how you manage your pitching. Yeah. yeah. Well, Teddy, I can't can't say thank you enough. I appreciate you coming on. And um, in about a month, I'll have you back on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Here with Aaron Fitt and Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball. I actually think you guys now are hauling oats as much as you guys have, have done together. Um, Man, you're going to make Aaron blush. The well, hitmakers. I'm just gonna tell you, Ryan, <laughs> you, 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 with that, you made my dreams come true with that song. I, they're the hitmakers. They are. Oh man, he's gonna he's gonna have some private eyes on you now. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Oh, what are you two looking forward to the most? I, I think yeah. for me, it's just. Uh, I mean, I'll start my season at Globe Life, I and mean, you have you know six top twelve teams in one spot to start the year and, you know, this after a year uh, that obviously was very disappointing the way it finished. I think for me, just getting out to the ballpark, hearing the, hearing the sounds of the ballpark, hearing some fans at a ballpark, because in the fall when I was able to go to some places, uh, there weren't fans in the stands. So even if we're 25%, just having like a sense of normalcy in college baseball. And I think from my standpoint, I view college baseball this year the same way I viewed college football back in the fall. If you're a coach, player, or fan, but let's just be glad we're playing. Like, if the schedules get all messed up, like, don't complain about it. We're playing college baseball. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously I'm with you on that. You know, for me, getting back out um, to the ballpark this summer in the Coastal Plain League, actually, I was able to go to some games where they had fans. And you know, I just remember that that first day walking into the park uh, up in Martinsville after the shutdown and. And just taking it all in, watching batting practice and listening to the sounds of being at the park. And it's just like, I'll never take this for granted again. You know, I mean, that, that, I think that's the big thing is we're all just going to be really happy to have the game back. But um, from a more specific standpoint here, you know, I was supposed to go to, to Gainesville the weekend. Um, the, the season was canceled. It was going to be number three, Georgia against number one, Florida. I was really looking forward to it. Um, I think I might just pick up where I left off. I might head down to Gainesville opening weekend. I believe they've got Miami coming in there for the first weekend. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, that's going to be, I think, a heck of a way to get this thing started. Yeah, I was actually supposed to go to the dude when the season shut down. Uh, I have still not been to the dude yet. I don't know how this has happened, but it is the case. I was supposed to go to Arkansas, Mississippi State when the season shut down. So uh, I guess Globe Live is going to have to do how hard was it? Was it harder or easier this year to put the top 25 together? Go ahead, Aaron. I would say, I mean, a little harder, you know, just because there's so much talent in college baseball now. I mean, really, we say this, but it's more than ever uh, because you only had a five-round draft. And, you know, a lot of players that uh, ordinarily would have gone out and signed either out of high school or 
Um, certainly, you know, players who came back as, as now fourth year uh, division one players normally would have, would have gone out and, and signed um, a pro contract. And so, you know, obviously the, the roster limits have been relaxed. Everybody's stacked and, you know, making calls and talking to people in the fall. It's like, Oh, I, I can't believe how much talent we have. I mean, we've never been this talented, but everybody feels that way. Um, and so, you know, trying to, to squeeze our list down to 25 teams. I mean, I think we probably wound up with around, around 40 really legitimate contenders that we, we debated. And um, I, I don't think there was very much difficulty at the top of our rankings. You know, I think clearly Florida and, and UCLA are, are the, I think slam dunk one, two. Uh, and after that, there's kind of that next tier with Texas Tech and Vanderbilt, Louisville, you know, the, the, the two Mississippi teams, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Um, and, and then you can kind of, you know, I feel like you can start stacking teams in different orders. Uh, but that top tier, I feel like was, was pretty safe in our eyes. And um, the back was just really, you know, the back half of the rankings, it, you know, everybody has their own opinions. It was, uh, it was a lot of debate. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a top 25 that if you look at the next 10 in our rankings, you know, you had teams like Arizona State who, yeah, they don't have Spencer Torkelson, but this is still a team with a really nice nucleus of pitchers with guys like Cooper Benson. You know, Boston College is a team that, uh, you know, Aaron's obviously very high on out of the ACC. Uh, when you look at just the sheer talent level that Mike Gambino has, I mean, UConn's going to be a really good team. Uh, Duke has kind of earned the respect. They, they narrowly missed our rankings. Uh, and then you have, like, Oklahoma who – you know, Aaron, uh, myself, and Mike Rooney, all three, we really liked Oklahoma's club, but they narrowly missed the cut. So I, I feel like there's, I mean, there's 9, 12, 13 teams. That you could easily put in that 25 spot. I don't think you'd be wrong. How do you think the selection committee is going to handle a team that maybe gets all their games in and a team that doesn't get all their games in? Do you think there's going to be, do you, does RPI take care of that? Or how do you think they're going to handle it? I think you have to... I think you have to kind of throw RPI out this year, honestly, because it's just, you know, we don't have a level playing field. Uh, the Big Ten right now is planning to play only conference games. And so the RPI is going to be completely worthless um, for, for that league because, you know, it's all just going to even out in the wash. You're not playing anybody outside of conference. And so um, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, to be honest with you. Kendall, maybe you have more insight on this, but I just, I just think it's going to be uh, I mean, maybe more emphasis on the, the regional advisory committees, the eyeball test, if you will, but um, it's, yep. it's, who knows? I think you bring up a really good point, the regional advisory committee. I was talking to a committee member a while back that thought the ranking by the regional advisory uh, committees may be the most important they've ever been. So that's obviously going to be a big part of it. The Big Ten, honestly, Ryan, is the conference I'm concerned about because when you look around the country, uh, the Pac-12 tomorrow is going to announce a normal schedule. Uh, the SEC is playing a normal schedule. The ACC, Big 12, they're all playing relatively normal schedules. And so if you're the committee, like trying to evaluate the Big Ten when all these other other conferences are going to have a robust resume from, a, from an RPI standpoint, I think it's going to hurt that league. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see what it does as, as the season progresses. But, uh, you know, I'm with Aaron. Like, I would have preferred the RPI, RPI not to even be a metric this year. Uh, they didn't. The committee didn't want to do that. The one thing they did consider was taking, like, an average number of bids over, the, let's say, the last three to five years and just essentially giving everyone placeholders and then adding some at-larges and things like that. But it sounds like the NCAA did not want to go that route. So, uh, the the committee's going to have their work cut out for them here in a few months, especially if the Big Ten uh, that we all think is going to be really solid in that top half. Like I don't know how in the world do you dissect those teams. We'll see. 
You know, two years ago, we have Andrew Vaughn, last year Spencer Torkelson. Is there an elite hitter that kind of stands out above the rest, or we just have a bunch of good hitters this year? I think not in, in that Torkelson, Andrew Vaughn kind of, you know, Adley Rutschman kind of class. I mean, I, you know, I'm really high on Judd Fabian. I mean, every time I see Florida, his tools just leap off the field. You know, I was in there uh, this fall, and, and I, I saw him hit two just ridiculous, you know, lasers uh one of them that i think hit a, a truck driving down the street beyond the left field <laughs> fence and that that new uh ballpark they have which is great by the way um but i mean you know he's got serious bat speed uh, he can electrify you defensively in center field um he can really run the base pass will push the action and you know the other thing is he doesn't have that long of a track record of actually hitting um in in, in the spring you know he, he kind of struggled offensively as a true freshman in 2019 and um Started to put it together in 2020, but he didn't get to play in the SEC. So uh, he still has something to prove. And, and there are some people who maybe aren't quite as in love with the swing. I mean, the, the pure, you know, is he a safe bet to hit? I mean, you knew Andrew Vaughn and Torkelson and Rushman, those guys, were, they're going to put up massive numbers. We don't know for sure that Fabian will. I think he's capable of it. But uh, I still think for me, he's the most talented uh, hitter in, in the country uh, with Matt McClain, you know, in, in that discussion also from UCLA. I mean, a guy who's already been first round pick out of high school. Um, you know, he really struggled as a freshman offensively. Uh, they moved him to shortstop last year and, and uh, I thought his whole game took a step forward. I thought defensively he looked, he looked good. Offensively he looked really good, you know, compared to where he had been. Um, what can he do now as a third year guy? That's, that's another really exciting player to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think for me, I've got, kind of got my eye on Adrian Del Castillo at Miami. I think when you look at Miami's lineup, they're going to be solid top to bottom. You know, you look back at his last full season and you look back at Spencer Torkelson's last full, uh, full season, Adrian actually had one more walk than Tork did that year. So, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, has pretty good control of the zone. He's going to hit for a lot of power. He's kind of a an old school hitter type. And uh, I could see Del Castillo, you know, he may not be – a number one or number two overall type. But I, I mean, I could definitely see uh, Adrian, if he has a really good year, especially if he proves himself as a position player, uh, I could see him as a legit top five or six guy if, if he had a great year. You know, Miami and Florida are playing that first weekend, the tournament in Texas. Ooh. What are some other good early season matchups that we need to look forward to? Kenny, why don't you lead with that one? Because you've been paying more attention than, than me to the schedule releases. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look uh, early in the season, obviously, you know, you have, uh, you know, week two uh, with the Round Rock Tournament over there with Auburn, Baylor, uh, Texas A&M. You know, obviously South Carolina and Clemson are going to play again this year. That's a that's a really interesting series, I think. I think when you look at the, the Gamecocks, this is a team uh, that we're obviously high on coming into the year, a top 25 club. I think this is a big year for Mark Kinks and that staff. Uh, I think they have the personnel uh, to take a pretty sizable step forward. Clemson, you know, we, we t Ryan, we talked about top 25. You know, Clemson was one of those teams that was really kind of hard to figure out where you want to fit them into the mix. And so uh, that's a really intriguing series. And uh, and then, you you know, if you look at uh, down here in the state of Texas, you know, you have, uh, you know, Texas and Houston early on. Houston was a, a team out of the American Athletic Conference. Uh, again, really hard to figure out what to do at the top of that American, but that's a really intriguing uh, early season series. And of course uh, we mentioned globe live. So the schedules are still trickling in. I'm expecting a, a plethora of changes between now and opening day. And, and I think also, you know, keep in mind the ACC will start um, conference play in week two, you know, and, and, and oh. so that'll be a significant change. I mean, now all of a sudden we're talking about 
premier you know conference series the second week of the season. Um, I, I know I, I noticed that Georgia Tech is playing at NC State. I think that first weekend, um, that's one that really catches my eye. I mean, um, probably probably the marquee series of that weekend. But you know, here in the Triangle, and we'll also have Boston College coming to Duke. Um, I'll get Ooh. to see you know Sal Frelick and Cody Morris said Mason Pelly up close. I love that BC team on paper. Love to see what they can do. And um, and you've got UVA, another you know top. 16 club in our, our rankings coming to North Carolina. So a uh, huge weekend here in the triangle week two. With the expanded rosters, do you think game management's going to be different for guys to start the year or is it still going to be how it always is with their roster management? You think? I, I mean, I kind of think it's going to be business as usual for these conferences that are playing normal schedules. You know, if you're Florida, you're Texas, whoever, if you're playing a normal schedule, like there's really no reason to get cute with your roster. That what would have been really interesting to me, Ryan, is if had all these conferences gone to four games. Like boy, like how in the world? Like how do you like? It would have been fascinating to see how coaches manage each game. Like do you just hope a guy goes a distance on the opening game? Like how do you manage a doubleheader on a Saturday? So I kind of found that like option pretty fascinating. But I think as is with normal schedules, uh, you're going to see things be pretty normal. What that's going to do. Is I think that's going to fire up that transfer portal about midseason because what a lot of, what will happen is a lot of these kids and like you can't avoid it for college baseball like there is no bad guy here like if Kevin O'Sullivan can't play a couple of freshmen like that's not because he doesn't want to like on a team like that that's that loaded like you don't have room for them and so I think you're going to see the transfer portal in the middle of the season especially as NCA passes this one-time transfer exception uh, you know they delayed it but I mean they're going to pass it. And so I think you're going to see that get fired up pretty quick here, probably even in the next month and a half when kids kind of figure out like, hey, if I didn't play, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, North Florida on Tuesday or Wednesday night, I'm probably not going to play this year. Hard thing, though, is where do you go? I mean, there's a log jam yeah. everywhere. Um, you know, where do you go? Every every level, the rosters Absolutely. are stuffed. Um you just hope this thing in the next couple of years gets gets righted, but it, it's just that's the cards you're dealt with. <laughs> like you can't do anything about it, so you just got to deal with it. And honestly, yeah. if you're a if you're a good player, then you're gonna have to compete to get onto the field at some point at some level. So you probably yeah. Need I mean, to you don't go to, to Florida or Arkansas to not compete. So yeah, for sure. Hey, for anybody who hasn't been to Omaha, what's the best thing about the Drover? Whiskey fillet. And I, 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 I openly admit I have never been there, and I've been to Omaha oh. a million times. We played in that league, you know, the Summit League with Omaha, but I've been to the World Series. We played at Creighton when I was at Evansville, so I have never been to the Drover. So I'm gonna have to go now. Like that's my what? wish. That was a gut. That was a punch in the gut when the season got canceled. Because you're I, not, you're not as bad as Kyle Peterson, though. You know the. the the grand poobah of D1 baseball. He lives in Omaha, and the guy goes to Drover like once every four or five months. Like, that's just blasphemy. It's, but uh, it's unacceptable. I had to get my answer in, though, before Kendall came in with his, <laughs> his bone-in ribeye. You know, you know I will say, so, so I will say, during this pandemic, I've kind of segued from being like a bone-in ribeye kind of guy to – really enjoying like a very good prime tenderloin. So I think I might start moving more toward the, the whiskey filet, but you know, Ryan, you know, we talked about the Drover. I mean, we haven't been in the Drover in three years. I mean, if you remember, uh, we had the pandemic obviously, but you know, they had a fire last year or two years ago that we couldn't go during the college world series. So it's been three years 
since we've been to the Drover. So we might end up, we not, might end up doing one of those things where, you know, if there's like one game one night, we might just roll into the ballpark after a little mid-afternoon Drover meal. I got to coach in the last regular season game at Rosenblatt when I was at Iowa and then the first regular season game at TD Ameritrade. We went we went back to back. We played Creighton at the end of the year, the the last year of Rosenblatt, and then first beginning of the year at Ameritrade. So it was awesome. Things you always that's, remember. Phenomenal. That's pretty cool. That's yep. pretty cool. That's, that's kind of like a, a different scale. But, you know, so I also thought it was neat that South Carolina ended Rosenblatt with a walk-off win, and then they won the first championship of the new stadium also. Just, I mean, that, to me, that's still something to look back at. Uh, and just, I think it's such a remarkable accomplishment for that group of players that they were able to win in, you know, a very offense driven era, you know, with the old bats and, and in a very offensive park. And then the next year, they're able to win in a completely different style of play. And, you know, with, with, with offense just completely taken out of the thing and no home runs and it, they just adjusted and won, and won a title in both places. I think that's incredible. What about yeah. the MLB draft, the draft combine? It's, I mean, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously it's, I think it's a good idea. I think it's overdue, um, you know, and, and the timing of it all. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the future holds for the draft in general, you know, from a timing standpoint, what, what exactly is major league baseball's long-term vision here? I mean, you know, you're, you're gutting minor league baseball. There's going to be a lot fewer opportunities for players uh, in pro ball and, and organized ball anyway. Um, and so, you know, what, what do they want to do as far as the timing of the draft? I mean, this year it's was it July 1st, I think. Uh, I think they pushed into July. Um, is that going to stick? And if so, how does that affect summer ball? How does that, um, you know, how does that affect the college baseball postseason? I mean, how does it affect eligibility for players? You know, if you're if age eligible, there's going to be more of those guys. So um, there's a lot of changes right now happening with the draft, and, and I'm curious to see which one of them stick. Kendall, what do you think about that draft comment? Yeah, I mean, I love the idea. I mean, the, the draft for me, it feels like MLB kind of quietly the last few years has kind of wanted to start trimming down the draft. And I feel like they finally have their excuse to do it. It's kind of like, you know, it's been rumored for a while or two or three years now that the MLB wants to trim the number of minor league organizations. Well, what happens? This, ha- you know, the pandemic happens and it's like, okay, this is our window of opportunity. So I, I kind of feel like and I could be totally wrong here. But I feel like the draft in the future will not ever be as many rounds as it has been in the past. I think we're going to, I think they're going to make sure it gets trimmed down moving forward. And after the college season makes more sense to me. Like, oh, I, absolutely. Having, having a draft during the college season just never made any sense to me. You're putting, you're putting kids in an awful position with their, their head spaces in a completely different area once they get drafted. Yeah. I mean, I still remember, and we all have these stories, right? But like, I still remember, uh, watching a regional, I think Miami was playing a and I want to say in a regional final and like the, like, I don't know if it was an agent or like a family friend, but like, it was like the eighth inning of a regional game. And somebody like shows guys, Monty Grandon on deck circle video of him getting drafted. You know, you think about Dansby, like ESPN, like Vandy's literally dogpiling and like ESPN runs over there and asks him about getting drafted number one overall. Like, come on people. Like, what are we doing here? It's ridiculous. I'm going to have you guys in the halfway point here. I know I said that last year. Um, what are some other things that people need to be tracking before we get to the halfway point? Uh, you mean just like first half of the season storyline? Yes. Yep. I I think for me, 
I look at pitchers. Um, I, I, I was talking to a cross checker the other day, and I think two things are going to be present here. Uh, I think when you look at pitching overall, uh, you know, you've got guys who have been off. You've got guys who have been, you know, off the field and not pitching for several months. They're coming back. I think you're going to see a lot of velocity. I think on the negative side, I think you are going to see a situation where there might be a few more injuries than usual. I hope that's not the case. I've never wanted to be more wrong about something in my life in baseball, but I do think you're going to see a few more injuries early on just because, you know, when you look at the natural progression of someone's body, like when you take that much time off and like, yeah, I get it. Like these guys are probably like Bryce Jarvis was when he was at Duke and he's training different facilities across the country. But a lot of these kids may be in states where these places haven't even been open. So I, I just wonder a little bit about the training and the ramp up, especially for these pitchers. Well, it happened in the MLB too. I mean, a bunch of guys got banged up as soon as they started yeah. going. And, and I'll piggyback off that. You know, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see um, how the programs that didn't have any fall ball are able to, to, to do, you know, I mean, if you're Stanford or Cal um, and you're trying to compete in the pac 12 and, you know, you, Dave Esker's never met his freshman, you know, on campus. I mean, maybe during the recruiting process, I'm sure they met. But, um, you know, since, since they since they uh, enrolled in school, they haven't been together at all. Um, I just think that's bonkers, you know, to go, to go into a season without any kind of opportunity to develop as a team. Um, it, it's unprecedented. And so, you know, how, how much will those teams struggle? I think it's inevitable that they're going to struggle. I, I just can't imagine hitting the ground running, you know, um, w w given these circumstances, but um, it, those teams are really bad. I mean, that could drag the whole Pac-12 down, you know, and, and, and there are other examples of that leagues where, yeah. you know, fall was just completely decimated. Um, and that's going to be something to really keep an eye on here. All right. Well, Hall Notes, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Aaron Candle. Yep. That's going to stick. I think that nickname is going to stick. So I appreciate you guys Man. coming on with me. Who, thank who, you am I, who am I going to be? Hall or Oates? <laughs> oh, you're definitely Oates. I'm, I'm, I'm the, <laughs> the lead banana here. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Huge thanks to all these guys for their hard work on their previews and rankings. From a depth standpoint, this is one of the deepest talent pools we've had from all levels of college baseball. I want to wish everyone a safe and successful season. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter at CoachB underscore ABCA, Instagram at RyanBrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.